Passionate Teachers, a podcast for teachers of English. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending where you are. This is podcast Passionate Teachers ELT number 40th. And we are super happy because this is a round number. It is special to be 40 and it is nice. And we have with us someone very special too, Sergio Pantoja. Kami, good morning. Good morning, Josie. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Sergio. Please everyone. Me. Good morning. Thank you for the invitation. It's great to be here. It is such a pleasure for us because, as I said, it's the 40th episode. And this is our first circle of the podcast, the first cycle, sorry. And um, we're going to continue the second cycle soon. And you're closing the first cycle. So nobody happier could be here, right? Such an so, honor. Thank you. I know that Kami have <laughs> been experimenting technical problems. Uh, and uh, we're going to go... Yeah, the lights went out here one hour ago. We're going to talk to Kami's first question first here. so that if something mm -hmm. happens, we can still make it happen. Okay? So let me give the capivara first because this is what I do sometimes, right? I talk about the person. First of all, I have known Sergio for a long time in the ELT uh, business. He is a teacher trainer, a very good teacher trainer. I took a course with him once. He holds a Delta certificate. That means that he's better than Celta. <laughs> he's post-graduated at TESOL, <laughs> University of Oregon. After you can tell us a little bit about this experience. Sure. It was my dream to do TESOL in California and I didn't go. So you're gonna tell me all about it. Mm -hmm. And all in one, he does a lot of things and What I like at most is his charisma as a person, as a bookworm, as a young person that acts and thinks as someone that has like zillions of years of experience. So I'm super proud to introduce you to Sergio Pantoja. Welcome, Sergio. Thank you. But I'm not that young, you know? <laughs> You are. You are. You're younger than the 40th episode that I'm talking about. <laughs> Actually, I am 40. You turned so, oh, 40. Okay. Yes. 40th episode. Very I'm 40. nice. So, two 40s. Couldn't be better. What a coincidence. Yeah. Go ahead, baby. Hi, Sergio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good, morning, good everything. Tommy. It's a really pleasure having you here. You are very famous in the ELT area. You are one of the monsters of ELT, as we <laughs> always said in our podcasts. And today it's a celebration because it's our 40th podcast. It's mm -hmm. middle-aged, our podcast now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And it's very good to have you here. My question for you is about the Cambridge exams. Mm -hmm. I know that you are one examiner. And what what is it like working with this kind of area? What, what are your attributions? Things like that. Right. So uh, I, at first I started working as a speaking examiner some years ago. Um... And it's something that I've, I've always wanted, really. So um, I, I think that in a way I, I, I pursued it for, for many years, not, not just to be an examiner, but to be involved with Cambridge exams, like in general. As a I think it always started as a student, 
um, back in, well, a long time ago, like more than 20 years ago, when I started preparing myself for uh, the Cambridge exam. So before I started teaching, I was already familiar with the Cambridge exam. So they had like different acronyms back then, FCE, CAE, CPE. Now they have different names, but it always started like over 20 years ago. Uh, I had, I was lucky enough to have a teacher. I think that I owe a lot to her because she was the one that introduced me to Cambridge exams. Uh, so she said that as a student, I should try to take one of these exams because, you know, they would in a way validate my knowledge and it was important. Um, but I wasn't even, a, even a teacher back then. So the first, uh, Cambridge exam I took was the PET. Now it's called B1 preliminary. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after, right after this exam, I started teaching. So she was the one who introduced me. And then after that, I started, you know, I continued studying. I started preparing for B FC. Uh, now it's B2 first. Uh, and then I kind of, I know it's going to sound crazy, but I kind of fell in love with exams. Because then after crazy, that, I was... Because everybody runs does, right? from grammar. <laughs> I think I have issues. But but really, I, I fell in love with exams. So I went for, from B1 to B2, B2, C1, and so and so, uh, until I took my C2 um, in 2007. You see, I'm not that young. Uh, and it was interesting because I <laughs> I took my C2 and, I, and, and happily I passed it. And then I started helping other teachers prepare for exams. And I've been doing that for the You're past... teaching, right? Y yes, yes. By level but, but C1 or so, you were already teaching. I started teaching and, and this is something that most people don't believe. But I started teaching as soon as I passed my B1. So... Oh, wow. Yeah, my level of English was really low back then. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I struggled a lot with because, you know, now, nowadays, I think I, I, I look at it from a different perspective. I look at from, I try to consider, for example, a student of mine who is at B1 level. And then I look at that student and say, wow, so pre-intermediate, we're talking about pre-intermediate here, right? According to the common European framework. So yeah. pre-intermediate, intermediate. And then I start thinking about it. So wow, what if this student were to start teaching English today? How difficult would that be? And that was, even though I had I had a Letras course, but to be honest, my course didn't focus a lot on English, like English development. Didn't focus much, for example, on helping, helping the, the teachers that were taking the course to develop. Uh, speaking skills or listening skills so it was mostly grammar oriented and so by the time I started teaching I had a letters course but my level of proficiency was very low so it was something that I had to keep on working and developing so I could feel more comfortable right you know, teaching my students and teaching different levels uh, so then well once I passed my institute was when I started helping other teachers that were also uh, you know wanted to pass and wanted to prepare for for the exam and then after some time I became a speaking examiner uh, and and then many years later, actually, it was three we, three years ago that I started uh, working as a writing examiner. Mm. What is so, the difference from the speaking examiner to the writing examiner? Uh, as a speaking examiner, all you do is to assess the speaking part of the exam. So um, let's say, for example, let's take for instance the B two first. So as a speaking examiner, you're going to assess um, only the speaking part, so only their their oral production and nothing else. Uh, but similarly, as a writing examiner, you have the opportunity to assess, uh, I mean, as the name suggests, right, you're going to assess only the written part of the exam. I, I would say that the main difference is that um, the process, the process for you to become a writing examiner, 
I'm not going to say that it's harder, but it's at least it's more challenging. There are different things, of course. We can we can find some similarities and differences, but the, the process that I had to go through in order to become a writing examiner was, I would say, it was much more challenging and demanding than to become a speaking examiner. I think it involves more uh, grammar resources, and and you know, maybe maybe that's why. Can I ask a question? Because I I've done sure. my exams two thousand years ago, so <laughs> I remember that when I to Cambridge, uh, the part of speaking, we had like three examiners on the speaking test. Is this still like this or it's just one person? Uh, currently for all Cambridge exams, now we have two, two uh, people um, playing different roles. So we have the one that's going to talk to the candidates Uh-huh. who's going to interact, which is the interlocutor. And then there's going to be someone else, another speaking examiner, who's going to be listening and assessing, which is the uh, the assessor. So we have two, two okay. examiners in the room nowadays, regardless of the, the exam. If it's, uh, This it's, is already freaking out. First, yeah. Three people analyzing you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Much more pressure, right? Yeah, it's true. And as a freelancer teacher, because we are all freelancers, the four of us, Mm-hmm. Um, you also help schools, right? How, Sergio, how do you do that? What kind of um, project are you involved with schools? Uh, normally when I work with schools, uh, especially language schools, I don't think I have ever worked with bilingual schools. Yeah, so all the schools that I've, I've worked with so far were language schools. Uh, was mostly in the sense of uh, helping teachers develop language, uh, language awareness. So I've already worked with some groups of teachers, for example, from, from different schools that wanted to um, learn more about advanced grammar or, or phonology or lexis. So I would say that most of the courses were like language oriented in this sense. And also some workshops, like more specifically focused on certain areas, like um, speaking skills, reading skills, writing skills. So, so the school will contact you to, yes. to enhance their teachers' uh, language awareness. Yes, yes. Mo- mo- most of the my partnerships with schools were focused on uh, language development courses, be it grammar, advanced grammar courses, um, or, or, or a mixture of um, grammar, lexis, and, and a little bit of phonology. Josie. Okay, Sergio, it's a pleasure to have you here. And then I'm very curious how you started designing courses for teachers because mm. we're very famous in our area because of the Eng- uh, the teacher courses. Because you, I always see a friend of mine taking one of the, your courses <laughs> and then and they always compliment. And then I, I'm very curious, how did you start doing that? Um, I, I started now putting together courses before the Delta. Uh, I think that I had only one, actually I had only one course before the Delta, the language development one but I think that what helped me uh, with the let's say the rationale like making decisions all the rationale behind the courses was was after after the Delta because uh, you, you have probably heard that the Delta is divided into three modules right and the, the what we call module three consists of uh, you as a as a candidate designing a course a 20-hour course um, at least a 20-hour course. So I said, and you can choose different specialisms. The specialism I chose was language development for teachers. So what I had to do was to do a lot of research, um, read a lot of books re- related to how we, I, I could help teachers develop. Uh, and then I put together this course. And while while 
making these decisions and you know choosing for example the kind of syllables that I was going to follow the kind of tech, the, um, techniques and uh, and the different approaches that I was going to use uh, to deliver this course everything you do you have to be able to justify uh, and then you write this you put it all together in a extensive paper you write and the Cambridge is going to assess it and then after that to be honest I, I felt more confident to start designing courses specifically focused uh, on teachers. Another thing, so I would say that primarily this was something that helped me a lot. So having taken this Delta Module 3 um, course helped me make more, let's say, informed decisions when it comes to, you know, how I'm going to de develop and design the courses. But there's something else I also take into consideration, which is my own experience. As I told you, and, and coincidentally, I was, talking, I was talking about it this week on a live with another teacher. Something that I, I always try to incorporate into my courses were things that I wish I had learned when I started teaching. Because there are so many things, for example, that if I had known, my life would have been much easier. And then I tried I to consider that. Because lots of teachers that are beginning or in the middle of their careers would like to, to have this hint and, okay, let's follow this so I don't lose any more time, right? Tell uh -huh. us. We always talk about it in this podcast, about the new teachers that have many knowledge, many kinds of different kinds of knowledge and many different content that they have so, access nowadays and things that we didn't used to have. Give us when the, we start casual. What would you have done now if 10 years ago you knew what you know? Oh, big question. <laughs> okay. Um So it's it, it's it's gotta be related to language, right? Uh, but I mean, I could think of something else more related to teaching itself. But related to language, uh, as as I mentioned, when I started, I was at Biwa, so I felt really uh, insecure about my level of proficiency, for example. So much so that I like I taught elementary level learners for many years until I became a little bit more confident to try and teach more intermediate levels. So something that I tried to to incorporate into my course, for example, is something that I didn't have a lot at university. Maybe. I wasn't very lucky. My my litmus course wasn't that good, uh, which is a lot of language analysis. Mm -hmm. So I, I see that many teachers, teachers, for example, when they take their CELTA course or any other course that requires language analysis, it's they, they really struggle with it. Uh, so, for example, not, not just meaning, pronunciation, and form, but also things like usage. If you think about lexis, for example, things like connotation, um, collocation. So what I try to incorporate into my courses is uh, everything I I wish I had known and I wish. I had learned, especially when it comes to language analysis, because like 99% of my courses, um, they are like language oriented. And it was some, it's some, to give you an example, a more concrete example. Uh, in one of my courses, I have a session that focuses on participle clauses. And I had, I had this teacher taking the course and she said, I've, I've taught participle clauses, I don't know, four or five times at least. And I had never looked at participle clauses from that perspective, from, from the perspective that we, we, you know, we focus focused on, uh, on that particular session. And it was a very simple question, actually. Uh, we analyzed participle clauses for a while, and then I asked them, okay, but imagine that your, your student's going to write a sentence, and, and your student needs to decide whether they're going to use, let's say, present participle, past participle, perfect participle. Uh, what kind of tip can you give your students so, to help them determine which one they would use? And she was like, I have never thought about that. And it's a, it is a very practical question, isn't it? Because yeah, you're teaching you something. The and then you say, open the door. You don't look, yeah. take them to the door and say, you're going to have to open that door. And you don't show the key. Uh. Exactly. So it, it's a it's a very practical question because okay, let's say that you're you're 
you have a lot of C1 level learners, and then you're using a course book. This course book is introducing participle clauses, and you teach them participle clauses, but you expect them to use like productively. Okay, so how can they decide if they're going to use one or the other? And she said, I've taught this four times. And what they did was to like complete some gaps, more like controlled practice, right? Mm -hmm. To fill in the gap with the participle clauses. But then she said, if they had asked me that question when I first taught participle clauses, I wouldn't have known how to answer that because I hadn't thought about it myself. And this is something that happened to me as a teacher. The first time I taught participle clauses, one of the students raised, raised his hand and said, I got it. I got. I understand the meaning of it. But how do I know when I start with this one instead of that one? And I was like, mm, we're going to be talking about it next class. Let me research. <laughs> clearly, I had no idea how to answer that question. <laughs> that is true. Sérgio, one last question for you. And I think this has to be like the mark of our podcast. Okay, so big responsibility thrown to you. Hot potato wow. with you. Huge responsibility. Um, we have been through a lot. Uh, I have seen everything. Everything mm -hmm. you've been saying made me even here make a, a mini conscious review if I would have done something different in my life as a teacher, and I think I wouldn't. I did everything mm -hmm. I could with the tools that we had a sure. 40 years ago, which was zero, nothing. The newsstand was my tool, right? The library. Mm -hmm. uh, but now we have lots of gadgets, tools, technology, lots of stuff, and we have been through two years of pandemic that changed our minds and our souls. What is the next generation of teachers after the pandemic? How are they going to be like? What do they need to know? Like, let's talk about the person, not the person that is getting out of the university. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's talk about the teacher that is already the B2 level. It's already teaching in a language school. Mm -hmm. And the aim is to become a very good teacher. He's already cramming for it. What is the future of this teacher after pandemic? The person is like 30 or something years of age, less than that. How much time do we have? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> no, I mean... That's a, that's a great question. We would like to know because mm. I think that this is what will mark the, the cycle of this podcast. Mm -hmm. And we can answer too. Come sure. See, we can get together and answer this question. Okay. I want to know the future of the teacher after pandemic. Uh, what are the skills this person needs to have? What kind of courses? Because let's let's cut the, 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 the way. Let's make a shortcut for people already. Being who we are, knowing what we know. If we have to give an advice to someone that is like teaching for five years, something like this. What What is the way now? Okay, I would start with something that's not really related to like, in a way it is, but we don't often talk about it. Uh, something that I've seen was the importance of being flexible, flexibility and, and open-minded because I've seen so many teachers struggling, for example, with Well, I know Josie, for example, she's she's really good at it. She's uh, um, an expert. I've seen her courses like focused on technology, how you can bring technology into the classroom. But I've seen so many teachers struggling with technology, uh, especially when you're going, you know, this transition from, because I mean, we didn't have a choice, did we? No. Those, those of us, for example, who are teaching person lessons, we had to start teaching online. That's it. So the, when the pandemic struck, 
not many people have to, they, they could decide, for example, I'm going to continue the way I'm doing. So they simply have to make some changes, um, whether they were willing to change or not. So something that I saw was how, how much they struggled to uh, adopt new technologies. And, and at the end of the day, because nowadays when you look back, you say, okay, but using Zoom and using what else, um, Jamboard and stuff like that, it's not that difficult. But of course, it depends on the, it depends on the level of development you I are. In the beginning. Right? Yeah. I, I, I've, I've already heard teachers say, but, oh, but these are like, they're not like artificial intelligence or cutting edge technology. It well, will, hold your horses. It depends on where you are on your stage of development. There are teachers, for example, who are not used to using all these tools. Uh, there are teachers, for example, who are not really open to, you know, incorporating these tools into their lessons. So I think flexibility is very important because we never know what's going to happen in the future. Uh, so you have to be open to um, using new technology and you know finding ways to, to change your lessons if necessary to accommodate your students and Another thing I'd like to mention is, uh, which is, I believe it's a recent phenomenon, and I'd like to ask you if you have the same impression, which is the number of students, I know that it's not the, the norm yet, but the number of students, like young people, uh, who have been reaching such high levels of proficiency so quickly. I mean, when I say so quickly, it is, of course, it's in relation to the past, because it, it took me years and years and years to go That from today to posted to in the... right? Today I posted in the super teacher, my student of 10 year old. I have a 10 year old student together with my teacher. They're producing a podcast. Yeah. It's shocking. It's shocking her level of fluency. It's shocking because she's only 10. She's talking about adult stuff because we don't have material for kids this age with her fluency. And you're right. So the teacher in the case needs to have a super fluency and knowledge yeah, to deal with people that start so early. All the schools are becoming bilingual. So hello, wake up. If you're a teacher, you have to be the teacher, the teacher, right? Yeah. I understand completely what you're saying, really. Flexibility and also search, 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 get informed, make courses. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I find it quite scary, you know, because recently I went to Campinas, uh, which is like I live nearby, and uh, to a school and to assess students like 16-year-old students taking the C1 Advanced. And on the other hand, I see a lot of teachers struggling to pass the C1 Advanced. But then we have like two completely different backgrounds, right? We have kids that started at the age of five and they had the opportunity to study very good schools. So by the time by the time they are 16, 17, they have reached C1 and C2 level of proficiency, which is crazy because it took me years and years and years to go from A2 to C2. Yeah, but but I understand that now. If you are a teacher uh, from a school, regular school, and you're feeling lost because your students, they travel, they have a SAS, they have English courses out of the school and you're struggling, go for it. Call people. Go go get informed what kind of courses are there. Even if they are not a CELTA, a Mickey Mouse course, something very fast that will get you knowledge. Why not, right? You have to do it, right? Yeah. And you, what do you think about the future teacher? Mm, uh, this is something scary me too. Uh, but I... I, I uh-huh. Since I've been just adults, 
So I I don't see this kind of phenomenon, but I have some teenagers and then I see a little bit this is starting and then I'm, I have some my questions. I don't know what's, what except, uh, expect from the future. But what I can say that about the technology, that is something that teachers always uh, are struggle. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they don't want to uh, be open to, to put this in class. And then they know that this technology will help them how to be more organized in their business because people are, are, are complaining, okay, I don't have many students, I don't know how to deal with my finances, but we know about that, that they don't know how to use technology in their favor. So mm -hmm. I think this is most important the teachers should think about that. Technology will help us uh, to be faster in our jobs mm -hmm. and also increase our business because uh, uh, most of us want to increase in this business, uh, want to have more teachers around. So if you're That's not... have resistance, you know? When I was doing my TCC, my last university, I was, what, 42. And uh, I wanted to do technologies, interacting and helping um, English teachers to teach, more or less. Uh, mm -hmm. It was another title, but anywho. Uh, uh, the banca did not want me to do that. They wanted me to go through literature. And I said, I don't want. Guys, I had no idea what was going to happen 10 years after. Let alone almost mm -hmm. 20 years after that we are going to have the pandemic and everybody would be online and everybody would have to know these gadgets. At that time, I already wanted to talk about that. Imagine now that we're leaving this, the children, guys, a baby in the supermarket, just to be quiet, the father gives the baby the cellular. The, the baby is like six months old and it goes scrolling the, the, the thing to find the best music and clicks on it. This is amazing and shocking. Mm -hmm. So there is no way back. Technology mm -hmm is it so to be a good teacher be flexible be technological and ask for help go take courses go get informed right i'm almost going the curb pretty soon i'm gonna say goodbye to everybody okay? <laughs> <laughs> and i'm gonna just be observing you guys where in the screen with technology mm -hmm. right so gotta do it this is something this is something i always talk on my workshops mm. do things differently change the way you teach uh, change the strategies change the methodology change everything you can because the pandemic has changed the way of teaching of learning of keeping contact with a lot of people and that's what i always said please do something different because you will be very far from the ones who are not in this kind of thinking I'm to say goodbye because of our time, but I'd say it was a really pleasure having you here. You have so much to share, and, and I hope so to have kind. you here in other opportunities on our he's second so nice. He's Thank so you. cute and kind, and I promise you, so much he's to adorable. share and teachers. If you are interested in new things, talk to Sergio because he can help you. Okay? Talk to, talk to us, right? For all. <laughs> talk to all of us. Yes, Thank you so much for being with us. You are a dear person. You're a very nice you, human on top of everything. We thank you so much for being here today, for giving you, uh, for giving your knowledge and everything that you can do from the heart. Thank you so much. 
I wish you well. And we're going to be seeing one another in another occasion. So I am glad that we could do it. Kami had her technical problem. She's working on her 3G. That's why sometimes the connection falls. Because it's been raining in Recife a lot. It's thundering out there. Imagine that, Recife thundering. <laughs> and thank you so no, much girls, for being one more time together. This, is, this has been a dream. Our baby. We have 40 full episodes with very cool people, very intelligent teachers. Some are students that gave their time also. Mm -hmm. I think this is something that is going to be like, like a Uh, like a gallery. It's going to be there for you to search, for you to get to. I want to know about this person. What does he do? What does she do? Mm -hmm. It's there. It's a reference. Okay? So, thank you from my heart for all the partners. My pleasure. Thank, thank you, pleasure. Thank you Josie. I have just one to say to uh, thank you, Sergio, for everything because about my Asian board course when I released in 2020, lots of teachers came from you. Oh, so, good to know. Well, That's really good to know. So, uh, and then I was able to have a good networking, uh, meet a lot of good professionals in that time, like a hundred teachers I was able to train in that semester. Wow. So may, many of them came through you and then you you kindly post my my advertisement on Instagram. And then it was very, uh, it was very honored uh, to have this kind of uh, support of uh, the amazing teachers professionals like you. <laughs> This is Glad super help. Yes, teachers Jesus, for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And one more thing. Uh, we are giving a time with a podcast. That doesn't mean that we're not going to be back. And why are we giving a time with the podcast? Because we have our workshop, right? So we're going to continue giving support to teachers. We're going to continue telling what courses are where and how. Passionate teachers will continue, guys. It's not the end, okay? And we didn't fight. Before any, any gossiper starts, we had no <laughs> argument at all. It's just because it's so busy. <laughs> Sergio, thank you so much. And I Thanks, hope everyone. Physically again and give you a big hug one more time in sure. a next hope occasion. Okay. I hope it's not in one year time. Okay. Before that. Yeah. Hopefully okay. before that. Guys, thank you so much. A big kiss. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Winner Idiomas, o centro autorizado Cambridge mais querido do Brasil e aulas particulares de Michigan e IELTS. And bloopers, why not? Tada! <laughs> <laughs> Ai, people think that it has finished. It hasn't. Now is the good time. You know what? Now is the time where dinner was served. Everybody feasted, everybody ate, the children left the table, and now we're going to get co a little coffee, and now we start the conversation. Sergio, thank you so much, baby. <laughs> My pleasure, Tati. Thank you thank for the invitation. And please help us out to make advertising of this work that we do. It's not rewarded, okay? Mm -hmm. We don't earn anything from it. We do it for the sole pleasure of helping others. If I could have had three, four teachers talking about teaching, giving me all the clues that I could have in the beginning of my career, oh boy, 
how much and inviting fun. so many important people to come how <laughs> much fun would yeah. it have been it was hard yeah it was hard if you're and that funny, would have made a huge you're difference, still a right? baby compared to when mm -hmm. i started there was nothing sergio zero nada I, I, I got my classes, you know where from. Got Times Magazine and mm -hmm. Newsweek subscriptions. I would uh, get the pages. I would zero copy them. And I would make questions on top of that and, and make a guided class on top of the subjects because I was a business teacher, believe it or not. I started a speak business up. teacher. Oh, and ah. speak up. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Thank you so much, Serge. Thank you. Guys, I see you when I see you. Let me take my kid to the vet. Okay. And Kami, I hope everybody gets better in your home. Josie, thank you so no, much. No, it's okay. Just the electricity. <laughs> in the neighborhood, in all the neighborhoods. Guys, a kiss for you. Mwah. Passionate Teachers a podcast for teachers of English.